And now, it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza! Welcome into the College Basketball Bonanza, everyone. I am Nicholas Hodell. Happy to have you alongside the two other members of our team, Dominic Stern, Dominic Tating, not here tonight to recap the Sweet 16, so it'll just be myself here on this overnight edition of the program, giving you really my thoughts on the Sweet 16, which were, in a word, uh, mayhem, uh, which really fits this entire tournament, doesn't it? I mean, you have upsets left and right, literally left and right. The one seeds are gone. Purdue is gone. Uh, so, some of the more notables, UCLA, also gone. And it really just fits the entire theme of this tournament, which has been pure mayhem, uh, really unlike anything I've ever seen before. Which, if I haven't seen this kind of mayhem before, God knows what's coming next. I mean, honestly, this tournament is something else. Let's get into the South Regional first, um, kind of burying the lead a little bit with St. Peter's, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to get to the South Region. One of the one seeds that went down this uh, over the last couple of days, that's Arizona, uh, losing to a Houston team that everyone doubted except the analytics, and guess what? The analytics were absolutely spot on. This Houston team gave Arizona all kinds of trouble in just everything. Every facet of the game. Arizona just couldn't shoot the ball very well uh, from three, from inside. Uh, about the only thing they did right was shoot the free throws better than Houston. But they both ended up with the same number of free throws made. I mean, this is a game that Arizona just could not win. And you can't win games when your stores are shooting like this. Benedict Matherin, 4 of 14. Uh, Cora Cresa, 1 of 7. That's not good on its surface. Dalen Terry, probably the only guard with a good game for Arizona, 17 points, 6 of 9 shooting, of 6 boards. But then we talked all this year about the forwards and how these big men for Arizona were smart, physical, and also smart when they had to be. Uh, physically imposing, very smart when they would do so. But this was not like that. Uh, tubulus, normally really good. All of 8 from the field. That's not normal. Only five rebounds for him. Christian Coloco, uh, yes, had 10 points, but he was two of six from the field with only four boards. I mean, this is just a demolition. 12-point um, game, yes, uh, but really unbelievable what Houston's able to do. And their guards were also very impressive. Uh, Jamal Sheed, despite only shooting five of 16 from the field, had 21 points with six assists. Tyler Edwards, 6 of 13, shooting 19 points. Really good in this game with five boards. Josh Carlton, 10.7 boards inside. Also really good. But there's one specialty stat note that really stands out to me the most. The turnovers on background. Houston, 12 turnovers. Arizona, 14. Very similar. Houston, 24 points off of Arizona's 14 turnovers. Arizona, 6 points off Houston's 12 turnovers. You're not going to win too many games in March when that is the story. You have got to take advantage of your opponent's miscues. Especially in a game like this against a Houston team that has had pretty much no team in this tournament so far impose their will on them. And that's going to be the challenge for Villanova. And I'll talk about their game next. You have to really impose your style uh, on Houston. And so far, 
we haven't seen that in this tournament uh, from teams that play Houston. We haven't seen that. But I thought Arizona failed to win this game. They just could not, for whatever reason, impose their style on Houston. Houston, very good team. Very good team. It was very wrong to doubt because the analytics um, really are saying the exact opposite. And the analytics this year were absolutely spot on. The other game in the South region I alluded to earlier, Philanova, 63-55 over Michigan. Hunter Dickinson, I want to get this out of the way, really good performance from him. 15 points, 15 boards, 6 of 16 in the field. Not the best percentage, uh, but when you get to some of the other um, big men that he was going up against, very solid effort. For Philanova, the experience in College Gillespie, not his best shooting night, 12 points. All four of his made shots for threes, four of 14. He was not the guy who stood out, though. It was Jermaine Samuels, the forward inside, 22 points, seven boards. A couple of blocks, a couple of steals, only two fouls. Um, definitely right up there as far as the best forwards of the Sweet 16. Really solid performance from him. And really none of the major guards had particularly good shooting nights. Um, Caleb Daniels, 3 of 10 from the field. Uh, Justin Moore, 5 of 13, is probably the best of the guards here. Uh, four boards, four assists, this is 15 points. So it wasn't a, the best shooting performance uh, from this team whatsoever, but, you know, led by Jermaine Samuel, they just did enough. They just had to do what they had to do uh, in this particular game. Uh, Phil Nova winning the points off turnovers battle, winning the second chance battle, um, merely winning the, the turnover battle. Uh, was out rebounded by Michigan, but still found a way. Just a really, just they had, they just found that way, and that's you have to do in March. Find a way, and against Houston, I'm not gonna lie, with a very similar shooting performance, Philadelphia might not win against Houston. They're gonna have to step their shooting up, I think, uh, if they are gonna beat Houston, and that's gonna be something I look forward to seeing. Can Philanova do that in the Elite Eight? I want to go now to a region that was also played uh, on Thursday, the West region. We'll get to St. Peter's in a bit. I know you're probably all wondering my thoughts on that. The West region, the big story, Gonzaga, out. 74-68 against Arkansas. J.D. Note, he, was, he, he took a lot of shots. 9 of 29. He took a lot of freaking shots. Uh, 21 points, 6 boards, 6 assists, 3 steals, couple blocks. Uh, but yeah, him taking 29 shots is quite something. The two forwards have had a really good day. Trey Wade with 15 and 7. Jalen Williams even better with 15 and 12. Um, so really solid stuff there. And for Gonzaga, the, their biggest failure I think in this game was not getting Chet Holmgren um, in not getting him a lot of time at all. I mean, he had a couple of fouls. Only played nine minutes uh, in this first half. I would assume because of the fouls. But zero points, only two shots. I would imagine that if you're Gonzaga, you probably should use Holmgren more in that first half. Um, but it's all for not really at this point. He had a really solid uh, second half with 11 points and nine boards. Um, fouled out. Was out for the last like three and a half minutes, I believe, somewhere around there, four minutes, whatever it was. That was huge. That was huge in this game. Uh, say as you want about the calls. Um, a lot of people don't agree with them. I'm certainly am a big critic of the uh, fish in this year's tournament. 
But that is a big deal for him to be out for that amount of time down the stretch of this game. Uh, Drew Timmy also had a very good game. Uh, 25 points, 7 boards. And he also got going in the second half of 17 of those points coming in that half. Uh, but, you know, but this Gonzaga team, this was... Last year was their best chance to win a national championship. With the talent that they had on that team, this is number two. This is number two. Chet Holmgren, despite him looking like a toothpick in his physical frame, he is an exceptional basketball player. He is going to do great things in the NBA. I almost think that it doesn't matter what his physical frame is. He's going to do big things in the NBA. Drew Timmy, like him or hate him, he's a darn good college basketball player. A darn good college basketball player. And the supporting pieces are amazing in this team. Uh, Julian Swather at 12 in this game. Andrew Nebhard never got it going from the field, only 2 of 11. Rashiel Bolton, same way, just 3 of 10 from the field. There's a lot of really good talent in this team. And I feel like that the window, if, if Mark Few could continue to get talent like this, what I'm saying is absolutely obsolete. But the window for Gonzaga has either closed or is closing quickly on the Gonzaga Bulldogs for a national championship. If they're going to win a national title, they are not going to be favorites. They're going to have to do as underdogs. And I think that's becoming very clear. I mean, it's a, what Mark Hughes done, this is not to discount what he's done. It's terrific what he's done with that Gonzaga program. But to have that amount of talent and no national championship to show for it is quite disappointing. It's very disappointing. On the flip side of this, what Eric Musselman has done in Arkansas is phenomenal. A second consecutive Elite Eight, two completely different circumstances. Last year, beating Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16. This year, being overall number one seed Gonzaga. It's a terrific job that Eric Musselman has done uh, in Arkansas. And we talked about this Tuesday at our after party, some of the coaching changes in the SEC. This is what they're going to have to try and replicate, which is so difficult to do. And I give Eric Musselman all kinds of props. On the flip side of the West region, Duke winning by five over Texas Tech. Uh, Jeremy Roach was fan was really good in this, in this game with 15 points, 7 of 11 from the field, four boards, five assists. He was really solid. Uh, Paula Bancaro was also really good in this game with 22 points, four boards, and four assists. And he definitely made a case also to be one of the best forwards of the Sweet 16. Mark Williams was phenomenal in this game. With 16 points and eight boards, three blocks. He was a huge part uh, of what this team was able to do. And as I sit here and ponder about who might make my all-sweet 16 team, um, if I had to go with a traditional three-guard, one-forward, one-center look, Mark Williams is the center on the, on the all-sweet 16 team. He was that critical in this game. Every starter in this game was actually very critical. Every starter. Wendell Moore had 12. Roach had 15. Ben Bancaro, 22, like I said. A.J. Griffin had 11 despite a bad shooting night. Three of nine, but all three of his makes were from beyond three-point arc. He also had seven boards. The starters were very critical in this game. Uh, Trevor Keels and Theo John, the two bench players for Duke who had significant playing time, 
didn't do much. It was centered around the starting five. And I would imagine that's going to be very similar um, for Duke against Arkansas. Texas Tech, they played really good in this game. I, I thought they played really well. Duke, like they did against Michigan State, just had more uh, in the second half and in the clutch moments. Kevin O'Banner, double-double, 10-10, was really solid. Bryson Williams with 21 points is also really solid. 8 of 16 from the field. He was really good. As was Kevin McCuller with 17 points, 7 of 13 shooting. But what we're learning is that this Duke team, coming into the tournament, I thought that they could handle the pressure moments. The game against North Carolina, Coach K's final home game, the ACC tournament championship against Virginia Tech. But this team has switched away from that. This is a team that is coming through in pressure moments. And that might get them all the way to the final Monday. That might get them to the national championship. What they've done, and they, they are now becoming a strong team in the final minutes of games. When you are strong in the final minutes of a March Madness game, you typically win that game. And for Duke, that could mean a national championship appearance. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's going to mean a national championship for Coach K in his final year of coaching, but what a story that would be. Let's now get to St. Peter's. Let's now get to St. Peter's over in the East. Oh my God. I mean, I mean that's all you can really say at this point with, with this St. Peter's team. They just hung around and hung around and hung around. They did what they did against Kentucky. Purdue, I thought their front court and their guard play, the combination of that, I thought was simply going to be too much. But yet it wasn't. It wasn't. St. Peter's continues to find a way to win these games. They continue to find a way uh, to, hang, to hang in games, to compete against the competition that they are handled. This is just an unbelievable coaching job by Shaheen Holloway. Coach of the tournament. It's not even close. It's not close. This St. Peter's team is doing stuff that no one ever thought a 15C could possibly do. In the lead eight, against an eight-seat North Carolina, which... Who knows? As hot as North Carolina is, they're probably going to win that game. But if St. Peter's gives North Carolina quite the game too, who knows at this point? I mean, who knows? I mean, this is a story unlike anything else in sports. This is the greatest Cinderella in NCAA tournament history. And the only way to match what St. Peter's is doing is for a 12-0 words to get to the Final Four. And St. Peter's is 40 minutes away from doing that. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, for Purdue, the Big Ten as a whole. Big Ten's out. The national championship job continues. And I'll just say this for Purdue. You had all that time to try and find a way to game plan against this St. Peter's team. Embarrassing is the word I'm coming up with here. Absolutely embarrassing. I mean, it's a joke. I would have thought that Matt Painter would have had a better game plan than that. I, I really would have. I mean, you have all that kind of game plan against a Cinderella who's been really strong. 
And this is not a knock in some of these players because Zach Eady, I mean, the, the, the trail between Zach Eady and Chavion Williams has been really strong this year. Uh, Jay Nyhs didn't have a 4 of 12 in the field. Uh, Sasha Sestavica started really off well, but cooled off. You can't cool off in March. You just can't. And I'll just say this. Do not discount what this St. Peter's team can do. I know North Carolina is a really good team. We thought about that. We thought that about Kentucky. We thought that about Purdue. We thought that about that about Murray State, though to a lesser degree. They can do anything they want. The St. Peter's team. They can do anything they want. Speaking of North Carolina, really good win. Caleb Love is the player of the round. He is the most outstanding player of the Sweet 16. 73-66 win. Caleb Love had three of those points in a performance, which he shot 11 of 24 from the field, 6 of 13 from three, seven of them absolutely deep, and played all 40 minutes. Wasn't the only one, though. Uh, Rondo Baycott was phenomenal with 14 points and 15 rebounds, eight of them on the offensive grass. He is going to get a really good look uh, for, for that for that forward spot in the All-Sweet 16 team. Brady Nanak was also very strong with 13-8. and R.J. Davis had 12 points himself. What, what Hubert Davis has done with this team in the last month or so has been phenomenal. A team that has gone from 12-6, and six, no expectations after dropping, after allowing, I should say, nearly 100 points against Wake Forest. They've turned it around, and they have become a team that has become a force. North Carolina can win a national championship. They are that hot. And they have performed that well in this tournament. And when they have their key pieces in place, who's going to stop them? The refs in New Orleans? I have no idea. I don't. Um, because it's been proven that North Carolina can beat the can beat the absolute tail of a Duke. Though if that game is close in a potential national semifinal, who knows where that's going to go. So I would just say this. I think North Carolina has too much for St. Peter's. But honestly, at this point, who knows? Who knows? Midwest, um, to get the other game out of the way, Miami and Iowa State, I know it's they're all Sweet 16 games. They're all very important, but this was the other game for all intents and purposes. Miami 70, Iowa State 56. Really impressive performance, uh, especially from one guard uh, in particular. Cameron McCosty had 27 points, 6 boards, 4 steals, 10 of 18 from the field. He is on the consideration for sure uh, for this all-sweet 16 team. And then I'm trying to build a lot of good performances, so it's still all coming together in my mind. Um, but if, if winning was part of the equation, it's not. But if it was, he's 100% one of the guards. 100% the guards of this round. Just a really good performance from him. Nothing to be sad about for Iowa State. The turnaround of the year in college basketball. A terrific job. Meanwhile, Kansas and I'm going to call them Providence for now, 66-61. But in that first half, it was for, it was 
truly providence. It was truly providence that showed up. Um, there is, I mean, it was a horrible offensive performance in that first half. And let's say that for both sides. Kansas a little less, so they got going more. Uh, but Al Durham was still phenomenal with 21 points, 7 boards, 4 assists. Outside of rebounds, though, you cannot say anything in that category about any of Providence's players. You can't. And that's not going to say disappointing, but you, I mean, again, this Kansas team is not surprising. It, it really is not. Um, for Kansas, though, Remy Martin off the bench again was superb. 23 points, 7 boards, 3 assists. He is 100% on the All-Sweet 16 team for me. 100%. What he did off the bench, he was the leading scorer for this team. You cannot discount that. And in a game where guys like Ojabi and Christian Braun didn't quite have it, David McCormack included, he showed up, Remy Martin did, and that's why Kansas won this game. Remy Martin coming back made Kansas a national championship contender. Without Remy Martin, when those guys are struggling like that, I'm not exactly sure who picks it up on this team for Kansas. But when you have that spark plug off the bench in a role that Remy Martin thrives in, oh, it's, it's dangerous. And I would assume that Kansas beats Miami pretty good. I would assume that's the least competitive game of the Elite Eight. But whoever Kansas faces in the Final Four, whether it's Philadelphia or Houston, who have quite the problem on their hand, that right there, my friends, is very, very dangerous. So, so really now, uh, the rest of the bracket, uh, as far as that is concerned, I think we are rolling towards Kansas getting to, the, to, 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 the, to Monday in New Orleans. The, the final day of the year for the national championship. And I'm not quite sure whether a Duke or North Carolina will be there. Obviously, a Duke-North Carolina national semifinal would be salivating for CBS and Turner Sports, which it would be Turner and TBS, salivating for the entire country. I, at this point, am even rooting for it. It would be must-see television. Uh, I would just say this about that. I think that both teams, Duke and North Carolina, equally impressive. And I really do think that, that, that both those teams win their regions. In this Sweet 16, uh, a quick bonanza rank of the teams I thought were the most impressive uh, in this round, the Sweet 16. Uh, to go from number one through to number three, I think Houston for me is number one. Houston was super impressive against this Arizona team. They figured out the code. I think TCU helped in figuring and giving Houston a game plan and what to really attack. But Houston has the guys to do that. And of course, many of Arizona's stars to not have good shooting nights is truly impressive to me uh, in its own respective right. Uh, the number two most impressive, I am going to give that to, honestly, St. Peter's. I'm going to give it to St. Peter's because the pressure of a Cinderella in the second weekend, I don't think they feel the pressure. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, but it can get to some teams. 
it never got to this team. You could tell from the moment they stepped on the basketball court uh, in Philadelphia that this St. Peter's team did not feel the pressure of playing in a big moment. And I think that's what's gotten them to the, to the Sweet 16 and now to the, to the Elite Eight. This St. Peter's team, they know they can play well. Shaheen Holloway has built up an impressive coaching job. He has done fantastically well at getting these players ready to play. And ultimately, I think that's just got St. Peter's in this position. It's the coaching. It's the players not backing down from a challenge on the basketball floor. Uh, and despite pretty much no one on this team individually excelling on the boards, they found a way. And when you are a Cinderella, you start finding ways to win. It's so impressive. It really, really is. And if I had to put in a number three, I'm going to actually go with Miami. Now, this is not to say that what Phil Nova did, what Arkansas did, uh, what Duke did, I'm not saying that's impressive. It's saying that my, what Miami did, um, winning by 14 points in a game that they were out-rebounded by nine, with Iowa State having 17 offensive rebounds, which getting out-rebounded, it's totally a sign of danger. Um, but the 17 offensive rebounds, because Iowa State didn't shoot the ball very well at all. It's very, very impressive. I would put Arkansas at four, um, though you could easily flip-flop it and have Arkansas at three. Um, you, know, I, you know, I'm actually going to flip it. I'm going to flip that here live on, on second thought. Uh, with what Arkansas did against Gonzaga uh, was super, super impressive. They neutralized supporting guards of Nemhard and Bulletin very, very well. Strother wasn't necessarily his best either, especially in that second half. Uh, and they fought the storm of Timmy and Holmgren very well in that second half of J.D. Note, uh, though he was, again, poor shooting, 4 of 15, but still 11 points, led the team uh, in the second half scoring. That does speak for itself. And anytime we beat the old number one seed, it does speak volume. It's a very, very impressive uh, job that you've done. And ultimately, I think that is done very, very well. Um, Shaheen Holloway, as I said, he's been the coach of this tournament, coach of this round. Not going to give you the full team of the Sweet 16, uh, but you'll be able to find out more on our new TikTok page at College Bonanza. That is one we have caved on within this Sweet 16. And so we are down to this. Kansas against Miami should be one of the easier games of the Sweet 16. I think Kansas will win that. Uh, really show off. I mean, Martin's going to show off. I think Ojai Javi's going to come back with a very good performance. And David uh, McCormack will do the same thing. We have North Carolina and St. Peter's. North Carolina, I believe, will have too much for St. Peter's. But at the point we're at, God knows what can happen um, within that game. We are down to Villanova and Houston, which I think Houston might actually win this game. I really do believe so. Do not discount the experience of Jay Wright coaching. He's been through it. Won a couple of national championships at Nova. Don't discount the experience of Colin Gillespie and his leadership to get the guys ready to play in a big one uh, in San Antonio. Um, probably by the day you're listening to this, for being completely honest here with ourselves. 
Uh, but I think what Houston's done, they have not let a single team impose their will on them. That speaks volumes. And I do think Houston, because of that trait, is going to be the favorite. And I think they will win that game. And we have Duke and Arkansas in the West. I don't know what's going to be more impactful, actually. Duke or the refs? With how bad the tournament's been from an officiating standpoint... I can easily see this game being officiated terribly. And if that's the case, Duke's getting benefit of it. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, but refs are no refs. I think Duke wins this game. I think Duke has proven they can play very well in pivotal moments. They have proven that they can play really well, have that balance of scoring. Uh, Mark Williams has been exceptional. Uh, Bankero has starred. Jeremy Roach has been terrific. It's, it's a situation that if J.D. Nolte has to go 9-29 again, no way Arkansas wins. There is no way that they do that. I think Duke will take advantage of, the, of missed shots in this game, unlike Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. And ultimately, I believe that will make a big, big difference. So those are my reactions to the Sweet 16. Uh, as a reminder, again, you can follow us on our new TikTok page. We'll have content... Really, as things go on uh, within the Elite Eight this weekend, you can also follow us on Twitter at College Bonanza. Uh, we'll be posting some, we'll be posting some other stuff there. But the best and absolute way um, to get content as the tour goes on is actually to follow us on TikTok. I never thought I'd say that, uh, but that's exactly where we're at right now. Uh, and of course, my full uh, All Speed 16 team—that's the place you'll be able to find it. Uh, as I'm going to be making that just shortly after this episode goes live. Uh, so please be sure to follow us there for that. I've been Nicholas Hodel. This has been the College Basketball Answers. Instant reaction to the Sweet 16. Have a very good late weekend, everyone.